And just for the next couple minutes, uh, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that, that will help us think through the implications of, of what we heard this, have heard this morning. There's a story in Acts chapter 17 that I want us to look at, and uh, I think it's going to highlight a lot of what we've been hearing and talking about. And the, the book of Acts is the story of the early church after Jesus comes back to life from the dead that he raises to life he he then ascends into the heaven and it's the story of the early church and, and it highlights different moments within the early church in those early days after the life of Jesus and uh, one part of this narrative in Acts centers around the ministry of a guy named Paul and Paul traveled around telling people about the good news of Jesus and he traveled the known world at that time making disciples and seeing churches birthed. And, and Acts 17 describes uh, one of the encounters that he had. So read along with me. In Acts 17, Paul's been in Thessaloniki, Greece, and now he's forced to leave because of persecution and is kicking up there. And we see this leads him to the city of Athens. And so that's where we pick up in verse 15. Uh, if you want a copy, there's a copy there of Scripture. But in Acts 17, starting in verse 15, it says this, Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving instruction from Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshipped God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, He seems to be preaching of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus, the Areopagus excuse me, and said, May we learn about this new teaching you're presenting because what you say sounds strange to us and we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every aspect. For I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship. I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath in all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that we, they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, and as even some of your own poets have said, for we, also, we are also his offspring. Since we are God's offspring then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all peoples everywhere to repent." Because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him. But others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. 
However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysius the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Lord, we pray you bless the reading of your word this morning. What we see in those uh, is, is that those who accompanied Paul to Athens left him there, and his partners in ministry, Timothy and, and Silas, uh, they were going to follow by and, 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 uh, and meet Paul at a, a later date. And while Paul's waiting for them to ride, arrive, he begins to check out the city. And he begins to notice all these idols, all these deities, all these shrines, this collection of religion. And the Athenians ha- even have a statue to honor an unknown God. And Paul begins to teach people about the good news of the story of Jesus. And he begins in the synagogue amongst the Jewish population there. And then he finds himself debating and dialoguing with philosophers there. And Athens at that time was a hub for philosophers. I mean, there were loads of people. That's what their whole life was about, was philosophy. So they took him to this place where they specialized in this dialogue. And there's an absolute load of content and loads of information we could talk about, but we won't this morning. I really want to talk about his message today. Um, just for the next couple of minutes. So let's read again together in verse 22. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth, doesn't live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. So Paul starts off explaining that that the one true, the most high God made everything that we know. He's creator of all things. He created everything according to his own design. We're going to move through our slides pretty quickly. I'm sorry. didn't give you a heads up on that, but um, he created, God created everything according to his design. This should be the next slide. Yes. Um, and within this design, he, he created everything to be perfect. He made all peoples, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, to be perfect, to be, live in harmony, to have perfect, perfect relationship with each other and with God. He did this in a way that there was no suffering. There's no strife there's no sorrow there was no sickness no broken relationships none of the stuff we see on television or on your social media feeds but we as humans are not like god we know that we're completely different from him paul tries to communicate this about to these philosophers even speaking to their view of their own deities and and and, uh, and having physical idols made of gold and silver and stone but the most high god is not like that you see he transcends everything that we know everything that we experience look at verse 30 it says this therefore having overlooked the times of ignorance god now commands all people everywhere to repent well, why Does Paul tell them that all people everywhere need to repent? Because as good as God's perfect design is, the human race has departed from it. We have run from it. We haven't just tiptoed away from it. We've sprinted full speed away from God's perfect design. 
starting with the first people and then every single one of us afterwards, we have freely chosen to part from God's design, from His ways. All of us, all of this has led us to a place of brokenness. Uh, brokenness has enter, entered into our world. Uh, and the reason we see suffering is because of this departure from God's design. And, and the Bible has a word for this departure. It's the word sin. <laughs> sin is anything... I remember this summer from our holiday club, but we is the most basic uh, definition, and I love it. Sin is anything we think, we say, or we do that goes against God. That's pretty simple. And sin always leads us to brokenness, even though it promises fulfillment. We inherently know that we're broken. We know that. We're constantly trying to fill our life with stuff to fill the hole of that missing piece that only God can fill. And you can see this on our squiggly lines there, that we're constantly looking for ways out of brokenness. And that may be the, the pursuit of a career, status, wanting other people to look upon us with respect, we want to find satisfaction of that. Maybe it's wealth, material positions. If I just accumulate enough stuff, I can feel that hole in my life. Maybe it's relationships. Your family, children, parents, romantic. Relationships can be one way we feel it. Or we try to escape it through substances, drugs and alcohol, or through the pursuit of pleasure, scrolling through social media, consuming information, consuming entertainment, sexual promiscuity, like we've been talking about the last few weeks. But all of these attempts to escape brokenness, these squiggly lines, they act as bungee cords and they just snap us right back deeper into even more brokenness. And that's what Paul is talking about in verse 31. He goes on to say, because he, God has set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He's provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So even though it was humanity who turned our back on God, departed from his design, God did an absolute miracle. He made a way out of our brokenness. This is what the Bible calls the gospel. In his love for us, God, in the person of Jesus, came down to earth. He lived a life where he never sinned. He never departed from God's ways. Yet he freely willingly died for us in the place of my brokenness and your brokenness, my sin and your sin. And then just as like you just, you described, he proved that he had the power over those things by coming back to life again. God raised him from the dead. Scripture tells us uh, that we can actually be restored back to God's design. You can go on to the next slide. And it's as easy as two things, that if we will repent and believe. And the word repent is, is a word from the Bible. It just literally means to turn around, to, to turn and to change the way you think, to change the way you act, the, to, to really to turn towards away from my ways back to God's ways and to believe that Jesus is what we've just said, that he actually is God, that he lived a life that I couldn't live and that he took on my brokenness and my sin and that he came back to life in power. And the Bible says that if we will turn away from our ways and if we'll believe in Christ this way, and not like this mental ascent where, yeah, I can logically just kind of accept that, but in a way that there's action behind that, that my whole life now trusts in Jesus as the way to God, then we 
can be forgiven. We can have hope and peace and community and belonging and all the things that we are longing for. That's what we can have. And when we do those two things, when we repent and we believe, the Bible says that we can actually recover a bit of God's design there, that we can grow to be more and more like what God designed us to be. And this is a lifelong process. This is not a turn of the page day. This is the rest of my life. I can grow to like what you've been talking about, to learn who God is more and more. And as a result, I learn who I am and who I was meant to be. We can recover that and we can pursue who God is. We learn more and more of who He is. And then God calls us actually, and this is our, our next one, to actually emulate what we see of Jesus and to go back into brokenness and to tell others of what we've found, this hope and this belonging that we've found. As we look at our passage this morning, we see that there's a few responses. Uh, in 32 it says, When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him. Others said, we like to hear more from you again. So Paul left their presence. 34 says, however, some people joined him and they believed. For some, they just flat out rejected the news and they chose brokenness over God's design. Still others were curious and they wanted to know more. And we even see some chose to follow Paul, what he's saying there about Jesus. So the question from all of this this morning is, where are you? If you go to the next slide, where are you? Are you in brokenness? Or through Jesus, are you recovering and pursuing God's design for your life? If you're in brokenness, is there anything that would keep you from following Jesus today? Maybe you're like some who scoffed, like we see in the passage, and you just want no part of the message. And we respect that just like Paul did and... You know what? We have no desire to force or attempt to force anything upon you. But maybe you sense something going on in your heart, and there's a stirring like Amy talked about. And you just there's this feeling you can't even describe. And this, that as you hear these words, we would love to talk to you more about this, to pray with you. Maybe you have questions. We would love to answer those if we can. Uh, but maybe you actually want to put faith in Jesus today, that you see, yeah, this is true. I believe it. I know without a doubt. I want to follow Jesus. I want to recover and pursue God's great design for my life. In a minute, we're, just gonna, we're going to respond with a song, and we want to invite you just to come have a conversation. Uh, no big grand ceremony, but really just a conversation. Bring your questions, and we'll honestly, as best we can, answer them. But we would love the opportunity to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of uh, difficulty this morning, whether that's emotional or physical. We would love to pray over you and pray with you about those things. So we just want to invite you this morning. I I want to leave us with one verse today. It's from Paul's letter, the guy who had this conversation. He wrote to the church in Rome, and he said this in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth and Uh, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So this morning, that invitation is there, if you would like to to experience that. So we're going to sing, but we're also going to partake in the table, and we're going to celebrate this morning that our brokenness has been done away with because of Christ, because of his death on the cross and his power over death through the resurrection. This morning, we want to say that the Bible is very clear 
that this is something to be observed for those who have put faith in Jesus. And so if you've done that, we want to invite you to partake in the table. So let's respond today by singing and by praising God and, and by praying. Father, thank you today that you have made a way for us to have a relationship with you. That you have made a way for us to escape brokenness through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us today to uh, be bold enough to either engage in this and to, to put faith in you or to share this message with our friends around us. We trust you today. We trust your power. We thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen.